Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No. These are the other stories. <laughs> the Nightmare Factory. Written by Daniel Wilcox. Narrated by Persephone Rose. I can't remember the last time I slept straight. The last time I woke up with my eyes and mind as crystal clear as chandeliers. The last time I looked in the mirror and wasn't haunted by what was looking back at me. That's it, maggots. Lights out. Comes the tinny voice over the tannoy, followed by a low, haughty chuckle. The fifty or so other workers turn in unison to the speaker before climbing in their cocoons. Long, metallic pods with lids on hinges that look like elongated sideways eggs. Tapping their dials and snuggling in for the night. There's a hiss as the hydraulics close the lids and seal us inside. Then, all that remains is darkness. Well, at least for now. When the nightmares come, it's as slow and steady as the fabled tortoise. Sometimes I wish it could be quick, that there could be a flash of a skull or a lightning photograph of my father hitting my mother repeatedly on fast forward. But that's not the way they like it. That's not the way it works. In order for the gamers to derive their pleasure, they need to watch us suffer. They need to watch us work. There's a muffled scream from one of the other pods. Words, inaudible words, of pain and hurt. I find it hard to believe they've already begun. 
My pod remains dark. I try my hardest not to close my eyes, but after a time, the sensation that blurs the line between the sleeping world and the waking one is hard to grasp. I feel as though I'm underwater in a pool of ink, and there's little space for air. Already, I can feel my heart thumping, my throat growing dry. Tears prick the corners of my eyes, yet I steel myself, my body, my mind, and remember why I'm here. Remember that it's just a job that pays the bills. It's a chance to provide for my wife, my kid, my bruised and frail mother as she clings on to the final strings of life and waits for them to snap. Even as the sound of the nightmare gas filters into the chamber, a formula created by the lords above to speed up and enhance the horror of the dreams, a particular bonus purchasable from the online store of the Nightmare Factory that's popular amongst angsty teenagers and 40-something divorcees. I hold my hands to the locket around my neck and remember what it's all for. Another scream from another pod, then another, long and shrill, like the call of a tawny owl, before it's drowned in gargles and chokes. I squeeze my eyes shut, feel my body relax. The gas is thick and smells sickly sweet, like cotton candy left on a plate in the sun for the ants to pick at. My hands begin to tingle as I feel them now, tiny insects crawling over my palms, making their way to my hips, beelining for my navel where I can see an upside-down ice cream cone, dripping in a substance that looks like blood, which I hope is jam. They're swarming around the base, eating through the cone until they pool in my belly button. Their weight grows as they mass. The cone is gone, their teeth looking for new meat. I can feel them burrow, burrowing into my... No! I shake my head and sit up sharply, feeling the metal of the cocoon punch back. I look down into the darkness and can see nothing once again. The feeling of the insects now evaporating and left to the past. Somewhere across the world, I can imagine a teenage girl gathered with her friends around her computer, giggling but looking on with disappointment as her ants disappear into the black, already scrolling through the vast menu of horrific options to select the next fearful vision. See, that's what it's all come down to now. No longer do we keep programmers who focus on CGI or actors who specialize in motion capture and green screen. Some decades ago, some smart aleck in Hollywood thought it would be a fantastic idea to throw real-life humans into the game, to cut out the middleman, so to speak, and create a whole new level of entertainment in which more everyday folks could make a living whilst the conglomerates reaped the rewards. The first concept was a simple one. Imagine Twitch meets Takeshi's Castle meets QWOP, only the audience get to vote on the obstacles. The audience get to select an avatar. The audience get to each control a body part. Fingers, toes, arms, legs, hell, even ass cheeks. The winner gets points credited to their respective consoles and their picture up on the big metaphorical fridge for the world to see. After that, it didn't take long before twisted minds found the desperate and the hungry and sought to turn one man's fears of misery into another man's pleasures. At one point, I had been a postman, a simple job that paid less than my wife's expensive taste and my mother's medical care allowed. My son walked the two-mile trek to school each day with nothing more than a sandwich parcel wrapped and crushed with an apple in his school bag as he watched the bus full of his friends drive by. I wanted more. I wanted better, and the ad calling for those seeking a career in the experimental entertainment program was difficult to refuse. 
The ad said all I needed to do was sleep. I'd get five times what I was earning now. At least, they were honest about one part of the ad. I'm richer than I've ever been. It doesn't mean they've let me sleep a full night since. Another scream from another pod. Frank, it sounds like. Four down now. If only I had any grasp on time, I might say that's a new record. Usually it takes a lot longer for this to take down the big guns, but something feels different tonight. Usually when the nightmares come, I hear the grunts, I hear the moans, but I don't usually hear such fear in those screams. Another pump of the gas. I feel bile rise into my throat and swallow it back down, that sickly sweet taste of chocolate and sweets. I rest my head back and prepare for the next onslaught. Feel my cocoon rock as my world changes again. Scared to open my eyes, but I can feel them now, entering my chamber. Can hear the hissing as the snakes slide and weave between my legs, one constricting my foot until I can feel my pulse throbbing in my toes, another taking its time to work up my stomach. I open my eyes and chance a peek to find a violent blue cobra, its frill fanned out at either side as it opens its mouth and reveals two long, thin fangs tipping the blood-red gums. Its eyes are hypnotic and dancing, almost enough to distract me from the sensation of another, smaller critter scaling my bare leg. I look down and pass the cobra, much to his dissatisfaction, and see a gleaming black insect darting towards my penis. For whatever reason, the damn thing is standing as straight as a rule, and the insect crawls and scuttles and climbs, gunning for the tip. It's at that moment I release my first scream. Despite the desperate danger of the cobra on my stomach, I swipe and thrash as I try my best to bat the damn thing away, but it's no use. In a single moment, the cobra strikes, teeth penetrating my neck at the same time that the beetle begins to burrow. I feel it as a hot pain as it digs dryly down my urethra and into my body. I look down and see now that the constrictor has squeezed so tightly it has severed my foot and I'm crying. I'm crying now as the moans and tears flow. Even as the hiss of the hydraulics comes and the cocoon opens, I'm crying. I'm crying. It's okay, kid. You're dreaming. You're just dreaming. The voice comes from far away at first. The lights dazzle me, and it takes a second to wipe the tears and get my bearings. I look down, and the snakes are gone. The beetle is gone. Yet a part of me still feels the ghost of the vision inside my body. What kind of sick regime they got you on? The man speaking is wearing a hazmat suit. It's stained in some kind of liquid turned orange. I can just make out his face behind the glare of the percepts. His eyes are kind. His smile is warm. What? Who are you? We're the good guys. CMFHR. We're shutting down this operation. I look at the symbol on his chest and recognize it immediately. CMFHR. Civil Movement for Human Rights. An activist group hell-bent on ending the human pain as entertainment era. But this job. I need this job for my family, man. You don't understand. The man looks to a woman on his left. I don't like the look. Her suit is covered in the same stains, and it's then that I look around the rest of the room and see the blood. See the four opened pods with my colleagues hanging over the edges like dropped rag dolls, their own life juice decorating their faces 
and still dripping to the floor. We got another one, the woman says, revealing a carving knife slick with crimson. Sorry, kid, we're ending this today. Employees, employers, and all. It sends a stronger message if you're all dead. Wait, no, I say, retreating until I feel the cold steel against my back. It's okay, the man chips in, revealing his own knife. We'll make a clean job of it. We've got your family records too. Date of birth, contact number, postal address. If we need them, we can find them. Nothing like a handful of hostages to leverage our cause, eh? He smiles. I fucking hate that smile. And then they go to work. I feel the blade enter my chest cavity, feel the skin allow the cold steel to slide past it as it opens like the gates of heaven. I feel every chop, every stab, and I think of my family, think of my mother. It never occurred to me that I might be the first to die, that somehow I'd outlive her and my son would grow up without a father. I think of the games and wonder if there's any hope in hell that they can see everything occurring in front of them if the cameras stay on long enough for them to watch as the nightmares end. It occurs to me in that moment that I know surprisingly little of the process of it all, of how the game truly works. Then I find myself caring less as the prick of the blade hits my lung. I know it's over. I emit one final breath and stare into the cold eyes of the CMFHR soldiers. He's smiling. She's smiling. And then I see a light. Sir, over here. I think he's dying. I hear the hiss of the hydraulics as light pours into the cocoon. Another voice that I recognize instantly. The voice of Carl Sager, night manager of the Nightmare Factory. His voice is emotionless, cold. No, Kira. This can happen sometimes. He's only dreaming. His face hovers over my own. Now back to work. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. The Nightmare Factory was written by Daniel Wilcox, narrated by Persephone Rose, and edited by Carl Hughes with music by Tom Robson. Hey you, listener, you lovely, lovely person you. Do you use Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? Great. You're a being of the world, a futuristic go-getter, and we want to hear from you. What's been your favourite story? Who is your favourite narrator? Which theme just did it for you? Well, use the hashtag, the other stories, or one word, and let us know what you think. Or you could always go to iTunes, drop us a quick review, and leave us a message that way. Either way, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Until next time. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.